verse 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Well, Christmas Day can be one of those days that can show who is truly patient. Um, like for, for some people, like um, uh, you might be in a family situation where you've got to wait for all the family to rock up before presents happen. And you happen to be the first couple, individual or family to get there. And that uncle or that aunt or the grandma and granddad are running really, really late. And it's not fair because you are having to wait a long time to get to that present that you can see under the tree. But uh, And there are other times where waiting or patience is extended. And I, I suppose the Christmas story overlaps with this one a bit because being a um, Mary being a pregnant mother, she was probably expectant, looking forward to the birth of Jesus, also waiting for Jesus to be born to to no longer be sort of pregnant and sort of uh, those last few weeks of pregnancy can seem to go on forever. And and for us as a family, like I wasn't pregnant, I was just sort of like um, sort of uh, the co-star on the side. But when, when, when Noah, when we were pregnant with Noah, so a number of years ago now, we had, we had a plan because um, Tesla had to be born by C-section and we we're trying to have Noah naturally. So we'd, 
we'd seen a specialist in Toowoomba and, and all of a sudden um, we went, he's going to be born by this date. And so we had locked everything and Elizabeth went and started living with my parents for a few weeks before um, Noel was to be born and, and I was finishing up some work out in Chinchilla and, and then um, and I came and we got, I, I got to Chinchilla, I mean got to Toowoomba and then we waited. And we went and saw the specialist and he said, no, nothing's happening yet. And we waited. And in the end, they said, we waited too long. Like they said, you know, we, we need to have a season. So all of a sudden, we got actually to pick the date of, of when Noah was born. And so we went, okay, you can, you can, you can be born on the 30th or you can be born on the 1st. But we waited for 10 days in Toowoomba and, and there was, we just, Tessa had her birthday and, and we were sort of glad that Noah didn't come on her birthday, but we were hoping for a few days after and all of a sudden it just just kept on going and, and, and we couldn't do it on the 28th because that would have been Elizabeth's birthday. So it was, we went, we don't want it the next day either. So all of a sudden it was the 30th, we picked that date and we did a few things and we we no longer had to wait. We, we knew when it was coming. We knew exactly when we had to show up at the hospital. But when you have to wait, when the, when the waiting is unknown, patience can be tested. Patience can be stretched. And the thing is, um, whether it's waiting for a present on Christmas morning, whether it's waiting for family to arrive so we can spend to do, uh, spend time with them, whether it's waiting for the food to be ready out of the oven on Christmas Day, like there is all kinds of waiting. But then we wait in life as well. We, we wait for, for this trial, which seems to be going on forever to end. We wait for, for marriages to repair. We wait for jobs to get better. We wait for, like, for children to, to grow through certain stages. And, and, and the waiting just keeps, keeps going on. And so today we're going to be looking at, at that idea of, of, of as we wait on the certainty of Christ. Um, and and the amazing gift that we have in the Advent. Now, the Advent is the coming of Christ. So the, the first Advent's already happened. Jesus was born. Jesus came to live amongst us. But today we're also going to be talking about there is going to be a final Advent. And for those who were here with us yesterday, we talked about for it is written, the idea that in the Bible God has written through men promises of Jesus' first coming, which all came to pass, which gives us great hope. But he's also given us, it is written of promises of yet to come, which also gives us an opportunity to live in that hope. And so as we look forward to um, the, the return of Jesus, as we look forward to living in his presence today, we are reminded of the disciples who they were waiting for Jesus. Even after Jesus first left, they were waiting. They, their patience was very small. In Acts 1 uh, verse 11 Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So basically, the disciples watched Jesus go up into heaven and then they waited for him to come back. Like I think they go, Jesus, you're just popping in to sort of put the milk in the fridge in heaven. You'll be right back and we'll be right here waiting. And the angel said, hey, guys, on your way, on your bike. He's, going, he's not coming back just yet. He'll come back the same way, but, okay, you've got some work to do. You've got some kingdom building to do. And so basically when we see this idea of the arrival of Christ, we are looking forward to his return, his second arrival. 
And today I want to I want to look at a few different verses, not primarily Christmas verses, but verses that remind us of this coming of Christ that we can look to with hope. I want to look at uh, Titus uh, chapter two, verses twelve and thirteen. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in, in the, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. And while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus will be revealed. So the thing is, we look forward to Christmas Day. Anyone here? No, don't put up your hand. Actually, I want that doesn't look forward to Christmas Day because. Would be going. You need to go watch that Scrooge video again and get over yourself. But but the thing is, we all look forward to Christmas Day, and even when we forget, even when we forget what Christmas is truly about, there is so much around us to remind us. Like um, we were watching a secular movie last night, and just a Christmas movie, Deck the Halls, just a bit of a fun movie, and right at the end of that, they sing Oh Holy Night, and that, that song again is just speaks very clearly about the divinity and, and the specialness and the holiness of Christmas. And so even when you try to avoid it, Christmas smacks you in the face, the real meaning of Christmas. And so we look forward to that with hope. What hope should we be filled with when we look forward to Jesus' return? Like when he came as a baby, that was amazing. But really, it was in a manger. A shepherd showed up. Wise men got there two years late. Like, that's about the reality of it. Um, and so as they got there, like, they, they sort of gave gifts. They honoured Jesus. When Jesus comes back next time, everyone's going to know about it. And those who are called, those who follow him, those who have received his gift in their life should be looking forward to that with such expectant hope. But looking at this passage from Titus, there are a few things that we need to do as we continue to look forward with hope to the day that Jesus returns. First of all, we need to develop wisdom. When you think about um, how to gain wisdom, the book of Proverbs may come to mind, and it's included in a segment of Scripture we refer to as the wisdom writings or wisdom literature. And Proverbs speaks about living with wisdom extensively. Proverbs 1.7 says, Fear of the Lord is a foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, that definition will preach enough um, for us to just pack up and go home right now. But there, in all seriousness, that is a helpful tool for us to know what God wants out of us this season. Whether you would define this holiday season as a good or bad or, or um, the, whether it's the principle of gaining wisdom can be attained. In fact, I would argue that it is the toughest season of life that we have the greatest opportunity to gain this kind of wisdom. Because often in these seasons that we go through with difficulty, it can feel difficult to follow God who we cannot feel or cannot touch. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I've read the Bible and some of the stories of God showing up are huge. I haven't had one of those moments. I have not had an angel show up at the end of my bed. I've had children show up at the end of my bed. And they are not very angelic at two o'clock in the morning. Not very, and I'm not very angelic either. Like, what are you doing in here? Go back to bed. I've had a bad dream. Well, go back to bed. I, I, this goes on for a while, and then eventually I go back to their bed. Like, um, so, but I haven't had an angel visit me. And as I was singing through the the Bible stories, there are so many stories where God showed up, and you see the response 
of the people. You see Moses back in, in the book of Exodus, and, and there's a tree that catches on fire that doesn't burn up. Those are the trees we need in Australia in fire season, trees that don't burn up. They just stop at that one tree. But God spoke out of that tree. And, and Moses, like, oh, he, was, he took his shoes off and everything because all of a sudden the ground around that tree was holy ground. We see Abraham at different times encounter God. We see Jacob sort of wrestle with God and then bow down before him asking for a blessing. We see the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. And when they saw God, even though they were good men by our definition, they fell on their knees and said, woe is me. Woe is me. I, I, I am a sinner. I, I cannot be in the presence of God. And they understood in seeing that the greatness of God. And, and so those situations in the Bible, we, we see God coming out in big ways, but that doesn't mean that when God, we don't see God in that ways, he's not present in our life. It's not that we don't see God at work around us. Um, maybe for those people in the Bible, they needed a bigger sort of push from God than we do. So maybe you can take it as a bit of encouragement going that you are more aware of God than they were. Um, we must, in no matter what we do, though, we must recognize the power of God. Not, and, and to be in awe of that and to be in great reverence of that, it's, it's the beginning of wisdom. When we understand God is the God of this universe and we sit back and go, wow, God, you are amazing, all of a sudden it puts us in the right perspective of God. It puts us in the right position with God because sometimes we think of God too casually. We think God of as a mate who like we can tell a joke with and 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 that's kind of the, the the influence he has on us. Yeah, God wants to be close with us. God wants to be he wants to be uh friends with us. Jesus was a friend of sinners, but also God is this great and mighty God. And sometimes we need to get our minds blown by who he is so that we can actually go, wow, God, if you are that big, if you are that great, if you are that, if you are all that, how should I be following you today? And so we need to, to um, develop wisdom in our lives. In a similar way, when somebody exists, exits from our own lives, we can be sure that God is able to reconstruct something um, that is even greater in its place. And this kind of God deserves our everything in response, which is our second point. We need to devote completely to God. Now, for some of you coming today, you might be going, okay, this is the first time I've heard the Christmas story. This is the first time I've been to church in a while. This is the first time. And, and, and the thing is, we kind of go, wait a second, I, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, I didn't come along to, to sort of give my life away. And I'm going, well, hey, just pause for a second, take a breath. You've got time. But the thing is, what you need to realize is that God doesn't ask for some, some recognition every Christmas. Um, he doesn't want us just to say happy birthday, Jesus, on Christmas Day before we dig in and, and, and fill ourselves to the point where we can't get off of the lounge chair. He doesn't want just that little bit from us. He wants Boxing Day, and yeah, oh yeah, I can give him Boxing Day too, and the day after. And then let's just jump a bit further. He wants the year after that and the year after that. He wants us to give ourselves to him. But the thing is, in doing that, what we need to realize is that in giving ourselves to him, all of a sudden God's best becomes available to us. Um, this is another point. This idea of devoting ourselves completely is another point that Paul makes in Titus. 
And there's so many things that can be put up in the place of God in our lives. The first one, so imagine if we had a pedestal right here. The first thing that goes on the pedestal is me. Not, not I'm not you. you, you say me and I say me for me. So like, I don't want me to be your idol. I don't want be, me to be the person you're worshipping. But we, we put ourselves on this pedestal because it's all about living for us. It's all about getting what we want. It's all about giving, getting the things that we think we need. It's all about us getting recognition over other people. And so we put ourselves on this pedestal and we want ourselves to be worshipped. And we become prideful. We become selfish. We become living in a way that, you know what, fits in with the rest of the world. And God says, I don't want that pedestal. And we can put other things up there. Maybe we're pursuing a job or we're pursuing a friendship or pursuing a relationship, and it becomes more important than God. And this is the thing. When you've got something in your life that's more important than God, all of a sudden you've got to choose between one. And if you choose the thing that's not God, all of a sudden it's very hard to stay close to God because this is sort of like it's like those two magnets repelling each other. And so what we need to do, we actually need to get things in the right place. It's not bad having a great job, but a great job does not take the place of God. It needs to be in line with who God is. And so all of a sudden, when we devote ourselves completely to God, we are able to live in a way which actually um, yeah, aligns ourselves and we get the best things that God has for us. We actually see that the Israelites um, struggle with this idea and to only worship God because they, they they had a desire to worship other things. And we see this in Exodus 32.1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down from the mountain. So just for a bit of context, Moses had gone up to the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights to, to get the Ten Commandments. So pretty big deal. He was with God and the people are down the bottom. And we know how we talk about patience, 40 days. They couldn't wait 40 days. All they had to keep doing was just daily living. There was no pressure on them to go anywhere. They were effectively on holidays. Get up, feed yourselves, fix up your tent, go do some fishing in the afternoon, have dinner, and repeat for 40 days. But they got impatient. And and um, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. Now, straight away in that verse, you see this idea, make us something that can lead us. We are so incompetent that we want to make something inanimate that can guide us in our lives. I'm going, we can pick anything in our home going, oh, this this dice, I'm going to flip this spoon up, but if it lands on its end, then I need to go left instead of right. No, no, we, we can't make things that will guide us. Um, and so we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. They thought Moses had gone, yep, he actually upset God while he was up there and lightning bolt hit him and he's done and dusted. So let's, let's create our new gods. And so in this, we, we see again that we can so easily devote ourselves to things that are false. And God wants us to fully devote ourselves to him. He's shown us that he's worthy of our devotion. He has given himself to the manger. He has given himself to the cross and he's overcome the grave. Um, and so we need to show devotion and, and, and learning about him in all the ways that we can. And finally, as we, as we hear this message on Christmas Day, as we hear this idea that we need to develop wisdom and devote ourselves to him, we need to understand, we need to share his message. Um, and 
there's a key verse that highlights for us the call from Christ to those who would decide to follow him, and it's Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says that this mission we are sent on cannot be accomplished on our own. It is with the Holy Spirit within us that leads us towards people with whom to share this message of hope. Because that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks, this idea of hope that actually overrides this feeling of despair that we see in the world. And, and, and it's, not just, it's not just hope that's defined as wishful thinking. There are a lot of things that I would see as wishful thinking. But hope that we see in God is a sure thing. We have seen it come true in the past, and we know the promises in the future will come our way as well. And so this is the mission that we have been sent on, that we can bring hope to a world at times that is hopeless. I would argue that during this Christmas season, people, for, um, people far from God are most sensitive to the message he has to offer. Think about it. We walk in the stores, we see a smiling Santa, we see decorations everywhere, we drive by houses at night and we see lights everywhere. These things cannot help but bring joy to someone who sees them. Anyone going around driving around seeing a few Christmas lights? Now, in that, did anyone sort of come up with the attitude going, oh, this is terrible, I wish I was doing something else. Oh, this is, this. oh, look at that one, that's, that's the worst display ever. Like, um, you might say that if you came to our place, but that's okay. But, but, but the thing is, when you go around looking at lights, you actually, oh, look at that one. Look at that one. There's a feeling of excitement that comes. And then you come into a street where everyone has gone all out and you go, oh, this is amazing. And it, 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 that idea of joy comes with this, this time of Christmas. This joy often leads people to wonder, is it only available during Christmas? This is the call that Jesus has left us with. He is waiting. Um, the waiting he has called us to is active waiting. There is a responsibility attached to our end. And, and the thing is, we want to be, as we are waiting, we want to be sharing the joy and hope that we have. And so giving them a reason to hope and, and ex- expectantly wait for the return of Jesus. So the question today is simple. Will you dedicate yourself to God? And his call for us prior to seeing Jesus again. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Um, what God has given us today, he has given us to use. And how, how will we use it? Who will we build relationships with? Where will we go? What or whom will we encounter? And, and make the most of that contact. These questions are meant to guide us into greater devotion to God and his call for us to share. And so today, as you go home and spend time with family, spend time with friends, I pray that you are able to join and and celebrate not only the hope that we have, but be challenged to take that hope that you have and share it with the world around you, not only today or tomorrow, but into the year ahead. Let's take some time to pray. Lord, we thank you again for the great promises that we have seen in you and the great hope that we know in you. I pray today as we again reflect on your birth and your gift to us that we are we live with that hope, not today and, and not just today or tomorrow, but into the year to come, but also we'd be willing to share that hope with those around us. And so, Lord, um, guide us this day.
God, our thoughts as we reflect on you, but give us courage to live with joy and hope in the days ahead. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. 